Who is God? You've probably heard it said many times that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. That's because we have the amazing privilege to be able to seek a personal relationship with God. Yet, do we even know who it is that we're seeking to have a relationship with? Who is God? How would you describe it? There is no doubt that we live in a world full of rumors. Whether you're watching the news, scrolling through social media, or spending time with others, rumors tend to pop up about all sorts of people and subjects. It's no different when it comes to God. Many people say many things about who God is, but how do we know who's right? How can we make sure that the wrong rumors don't affect our relationship with God and how we view who He really is? There is only one way you can prove a rumor to be true or false. Ask the person who the rumor is about. You have to go to the source. So let's go to the source today and see who God says He is, not who people say that He is. Let's explore His character together and let Him define Himself through His Word. In order to do this, our key text is from Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 through 7. In the story at this point, Moses is on top of Mount Sinai having a conversation with God. And this is what God says to him. The verses say, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. These verses do not only define God from His own mouth, but they are the most quoted verses in the entire Bible. So they must be pretty important. Yet there's something about them that we don't tend to like. You see, we like the first half of these verses as it talks about God's compassion and His grace and His love. But we'd rather not get into the later half where it talks about judgment and justice. Those two ideas don't seem to match. Is God merciful or is He a God of judgment? Can he do both? Let's look at this in its larger text. Just as you can't walk into a movie theater in the middle of a movie and expect to understand what's going on, you cannot jump into the middle of the story of the Bible and expect to understand everything. Understanding the Bible is a lot about context and knowing the story. So how did we get to Moses being on top of a mountain getting told by God who he is. Let's start at the beginning. All the way back to Genesis, God chose a man named Abraham. 
God made a promise or a covenant with Abraham to bring out of Abraham a great nation who would be holy, which means to be set apart. This nation was to be God's people and they were to look different from all the other nations. He also promised Abraham that he would give his people a great land to inhabit. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 4 through 8, our Bible says, God says to Abraham, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Through Abraham came the nation of Israel, God's people. Yet, the book of Genesis ends with Israel in Egypt, not in the land that was promised to them. So we come to Exodus, which has two large stories to make one bigger story. The first part of the story is about God rescuing Israel from slavery in Egypt, and the second part of the story follows God leading the Israelites to Mount Sinai to make a covenant with them. At the mountain, God invites them into a special partnership to make them holy or set apart from the other nations. He wanted these people to represent Him on earth. Israel agrees to partner with God, and God starts setting up the terms of their relationship, starting with the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 23-6, God outlines the first two commandments, which are, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Does that sound familiar? Here's the problem. While Moses is up on the mountain solidifying these terms of their agreement, the people down at the base of the mountain are already violating these commands. They're already building for themselves images to bow down to. This is where our key text lies in the story. God is at a decision point now. He has two choices. He can end their agreement and destroy them immediately since the people have violated the terms already or he can show mercy on the people and let them live and go on which they don't deserve that is what these verses in Exodus 34 are all about 
They are about the tension which exists between God's mercy and His justice. How does a faithful and loyal God deal with such rebellious people? See, there's something special that we need to notice about Exodus 34, 6-7. While God will bring justice upon generations to the third and the fourth of those who rebel against Him, He shows loving kindness and mercy to thousands. Here is what the verses are trying to get across. God is slow to anger, yet He won't declare innocent the guilty. While He is merciful, it doesn't last forever. God will have justice, yet for now, He shows us His mercy. Look, I don't know about you, but I think that if I were God, I would have just rather destroyed the people. Because if you think about it, it just makes sense. Even today, we rebel against God and sin against Him every single day. Yet still, He chooses to show us His mercy and His loyal love. People often ask the question, if God is loving, how could He let people go to hell? My question is rather, if God is so good, how could He have let any of us get into heaven. We have to realize that we are sinners and understand that the love and mercy that God shows us every single day is completely and utterly undeserved. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells us this beautifully. It says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you and for me, regardless of our sin. It's another display of His mercy, just like in Exodus. Such mercy demands a response. How are you responding to God's mercy in your life? How are you responding to His character? Saints of God, let us pray. Father, I pray that we come to a true understanding of who you are and what that should mean to us. I pray that we can grasp your mercy and your love so that we can respond in a way that honors your name and brings you glory. Lord God, I ask that you would give us more and more knowledge of you, that you can help us to know you more. And I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen.